Hey everybody, what's up? Sagi here. And today we have Lauren Tickner on the show back again. Um, Lauren's been here before and she, I guess like two years ago, she talked about her journey, how she grew from being um, just a fitness, uh, I, I guess, fitness coach, even like, you know, coming from the fitness world as 16, 17 year old into being a fitness coach. And uh, today she's only 24 and she's already been mentioned on Forbes top 10 entrepreneurs list. And she helps uh, people launch their online businesses and coaching programs. And she had massive growth this past two years. And now specifically with Clubhouse, if you guys don't know Clubhouse, you definitely should. She had massive, massive growth on Clubhouse. So and I just seen her growth. She's got like 60,000 followers there. Uh, and she got them in only like five weeks of being on a platform. So um, I really wanted to talk to her. I wanted to bring her on the show, talk to her once more and kind of like catch up on her past growth and her strategies on Clubhouse. So here you go, Lauren Tickner, everybody. Enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody, just before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, that this is also a YouTube show. So if you're listening to this, make sure to also check out the YouTube and subscribe. If you're listening to this via podcast, please like follow, like subscribe to the podcast. Mention us on social media in any possible way. I'm Sagi Schreiber at Sagi, S-A-G-I Schreiber. And also you can find uh, Commit First on Instagram. Just take a snapshot or a screenshot of YouTube and just like a picture of YouTube and just share it. If you like this episode, subscribe to the channel, like support so we can know you're there and that we know we know that we have audience that actually cares about what we do that we know we're giving value. Anyways, enjoy Lauren's episode, everybody. Let's begin. Everybody, what's up today? We have Lauren Tigner on the show back again. What's up, Lauren? Yes, it's good to be here. We're going to drop a bunch of value as always. So I'm looking forward to it. Definitely. And so good connecting with you. I mean, I think our first interview was about like two years ago, maybe even three. I don't know, like it was like a long time ago. Um, but since then, you had massive, massive growth. Uh, you traveled the world, settled in Dubai for now. Um, yeah, fill us in. What, what's, what's been happening in the past, let's say, two years? Yeah, so ultimately, the biggest realization was from that I was overcomplicating everything, right? And I think this is one of the bad traits of entrepreneurs, <laughs> is that you can try and do way too much all at once and get really distracted. Right. And so what I started to do instead is I picked one thing and I went all in on that. And then I built it? around that. One thing, though? And so what I'm now really focused on is helping people launch and scale mm-hmm. online coaching courses. And then okay. from there, we obviously, because I have a big team, I'm able to do other stuff, but I really focused on scaling one program. Uh-huh. And given that COVID came about, because we help people shift their skills online, yeah. it was like this massive spike. Got it. Got it. And, and because it was like, also you, you um, focused on people that came from the fitness industry, right? Like you had, or most of your audience was from there. In the at past, the yeah, but now beginning. not at all. Most yeah. of my clients are actually other business coaches. We have yeah. a lot of business coaches. We have a lot of people who are, you know, finance experts, career coaches, dating people, um, all sorts of co- consultants, people that have agencies, and obviously personal trainers and fitness professionals. But yeah, it's wow. a lot of different people. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, I, that's awesome. Um, it's uh, it's definitely that. I mean, seeing you grow like that, it was um, it was amazing. And and I was like. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember last time we talked, you basically just started, um, I think, also accepting people which are not just fitness uh, coaches and stuff like that. And then, and then like, boom, massive growth. So first of all, congrats on all your success. Um, it's been awesome watching it from, from just, you know, kind of like following Thank you from you. since then. Um, and, uh, and then lately, um, and by the way, to anyone who doesn't know, and you're not watching this or you're listening to it and you're like, well, and, and you don't know Lauren, Lauren's only 24 years old. <laughs> and she was already mentioned on the top 10 uh, list of entrepreneurs on Forbes. Pretty crazy. Um, and, and now you also had massive, massive growth on Clubhouse. You leveraged that platform, you got in there, took action. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so Clubhouse has been really great for me. Again, because I am 24, my hair's blonde, right? I'm, I'm actually naturally brunette, but you know how it is. Because I'm a young girl, typically people who, let's say they come across me on Instagram and they're scrolling my feed. Mm -hmm. Unless they actually sit and watch some of the videos, then naturally they'll just think, oh, she's just some like fitness or travel influencer. Like, let's just move on. Yeah. And so what's been really valuable for me is that on Clubhouse, I'm able to really share value, really mm -hmm. consult as though I was consulting one of my clients yeah. and just talk about topics that I wouldn't usually talk about, you know, things like energy and whatever. It doesn't matter, like just more deep and meaningful topics. Yeah. And so the fascinating thing is that not only has my audience been growing, but my existing audience who are on things like Instagram and YouTube, they then now when they look at my other content, they perceive me differently. And that's been awesome because people see me for who I really am. And that's what I love about it because you don't see anything on Clubhouse. It's a fully audio platform. And I know that there's other platforms popping up, um, such as Mark Cuban just invested into a company called Fireside. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, I'm loving it. And it's been amazing wow. for our business and just my brand as a whole. So Clubhouse is, is great, yeah. I mean, the fact that they made it all audio, I think it's amazing, right? I mean, that like, it's really kind of, they took the meetups kind of space, you know, the professional panels, brought it into like this app, <laughs> like, especially during COVID times, everybody's in lockdown, everybody's feeling like, you know, lonely as an entrepreneur, at least, um, and, and I guess everybody and going crazy at home. And then they're like, okay, let's have a platform for, you know, all this craziness that you guys were used to, but let's do it only audio. You know why? Because we know you're busy at home. You're with the kids, you're cooking, you're, you know, you're going about, you don't have time, you're, you're Zoom fatigued. So let's make it audio. And I think that was genius, like crazy. That's one of the reasons it blew up. But, um, but also I love what you said about like, this is like an, um, a new way to kind of like brand yourself anew in a way, or just like get new audience, fresh audience that didn't know you. And now they can know the real Lauren as you are right now, like not from the past, just, you know, clean slate. Love yeah. That. yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's something that really interests me. And also like one, part of the reason that I'm like uh, really intrigued into talking with you right now and, and, and figuring out like, Because for me as well, I've, I've been shifting. I didn't, like last time we interviewed, uh, our previous interview was when uh, my brand was called Mindful and Ruthless. Um, and then it was Creativepreneur. And now it's Commit First. I kind of like rebranded a few times along the, along the road. A lot of stuff have happened, like has happened in my business. Um, I now run an, a UI UX des design agency. 
working with uh, startups on their digital products and um, on one hand, and then I have online courses in my Israeli blog. And I also have this like new podcast and I'm like wondering, okay, when would be the right time to launch an, another mastermind and other coaching opportunities for the people from Commit First? Because I haven't yet. I had a mastermind like, about, again, like a year and a half ago. I closed it. I shut it down and haven't done anything since. Um, and I was wondering like, okay, when is the, that time to really launch again? And now with Clubhouse, I'm like, whoa, I'm seeing all these people get massive growth. And I'm like, maybe I should do it now. But then again, I'm like, Sagi, you're committed to your other businesses right now. You know, like you have enough going on. And like you said, uh, overcomplicating things in your business might actually not be a good idea. But, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on this? So this is a question that I'm getting from a lot of people. They're saying, you know, shall I create a new program, whether it's a course or coaching or a mastermind, given everything that's going on with Clubhouse? Yeah. And ultimately, it depends on a couple of factors, right? First things first is that do you have the capacity with everything else that you're doing to build a team around everything else so that you can more or less be taken out of that? The beautiful thing for me is that the reason I'm able to spend a good amount of time on Clubhouse is because I have a team who can operate autonomously without me. So my whole test is if I got hit by a bus, would my business live on? And the answer is absolutely yes, because I created seats and I put the right people in the right seats. And the way that that's possible is because there are standard operating procedures, SOPs for everything that they would possibly need to do. And so then from there, the question is, okay, let's say you do have that, then should you create a coaching program given that there are all these leads coming from Clubhouse, for example? Mm -hmm. And the answer is absolutely yes. But when you're creating that program, the most important thing to bear in mind is that people aren't buying the drill, they're buying the whole, right? So right. they want the outcome, they want the transformation, but they don't necessarily care about your coaching program, right? There's loads of coaching programs out there. Right. So what's gonna make you stand out in what's gonna be your USP is quite frankly, your ability to know your ideal client better than anyone else and make a, a clear picture as to how you can get them to the outcome. And then just one final point is if you don't have a team already in your business, then what I would do is try and hire as quickly as possible and put people into those seats, but make sure that you build out the SOPs first and give them responsibility, delegate responsibility rather than delegating tasks. Because if you just delegate tasks, right, then, oh, right. something breaks, then guess what? They don't care anymore. They're like, how can you help me? and yes. nothing progresses, then they will try and find a better, more effective and more efficient route to get to that outcome that you've delegated to them mm -hmm. because they know that it's their responsibility. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. Um, like we can ship this into a leadership talk right now, uh, but you know. Um, I love you, it, it's my favorite topic, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, one of the things that I've been growing in the past um, two years is, is a team, but mostly around my other businesses. Commit first, you know, I just hired a new video editor, but mostly VA and video editor is what I have and not really much of, of a team, I would say. Um, and also I can say that um, the distinction between uh, giving away tasks and giving away responsibilities is definitely like an issue that, you know, we can talk about for hours because, you know, at the beginning it's, oh, it's like, how can you train them in the proper way, but also give them the, the tasks that they need to create right now? Um, and responsibilities, that's a, you know, it's a tough thing to let go of probably in the business, right? Um, how do right. you do that? 
Well, because then you're giving away the decision making, right? You're delegating decision making. And I think there's really a couple of different layers of building your team. At first, you are delegating an outcome, right? You're delegating, okay, you are responsible for that particular outcome. Yeah. And then in the future, it's like, okay, you're responsible for continuous, continuously growing that particular area. And that's when they really have to be able to make the decisions. But there's this Japanese principle called shuhari. And the shoe is essentially, they immediately copy everything that you do. The ha is when they start to, okay, they kind of know it so they can do a little improvisation. And then the re is where they literally understand it so well, they can do it on the fly and it just comes to them naturally. Hmm. And so I think that this principle is amazing when it comes to building a team initially, because you know, at first, yeah, they're going to have to literally copy and paste your SOP. Of course, you can't immediately just say you're responsible for everything in this area. But you can say you're responsible for this particular task, right? Yeah. At, the, at the beginning. But then from there, you have to grow it and evolve it. Because if you just always give them tasks, then they essentially are a VA, right? That's all Yeah, I mean, so just going back to... Um... I want to be as practical as I can with this, right? Because I've had people on the show, we talked about SOPs and everything in the broad manner, but just really drilling down. So now I hired a new video editor. And mm-hmm. um, the thing about this video editor is, you know, he doesn't really know what kind of style I'd like to edit on and, you know, like how to do the different things. Um, and I have a checklist, but, you know, it's not really enough. I have also some YouTube videos, some not YouTube videos, like uh, tutorials for how to, create the videos and everything and upload them to G drive and, and all that. Like, like, but you know, it's partially old. So some of the things are outdated. How do you manage like the SOPs and everything like that in a practical manner? Also while you're running your company and now you have to create those new, new SOPs and operations. Yeah. So part of the tech company that we're building is actually going to be to overcome this problem because it's the okay. problem of everyone, right? There are yeah. softwares out there, but they just aren't ideal. And so what we're doing is we're actually integrating it so that it's going to have your training for your team and your training for your clients all in one platform. I'm so excited, but I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to talk about that now. Like, you okay. know, we're building it and it's like, you know, I, I would go on for hours. So here's, here's the thing. Right. Something that was interesting that, you know, that you sort of uh, mentioned there is like, oh, yeah, I don't know if he has like the right styling and all this. So there's two key problems. Right. First things first is when someone comes in, they need to have styling guide. They need examples, other people's videos that you like, all of your fonts, all of your colors, like just have a branding PDF or like a document. We just do it all this stuff on Google Docs. Like I, yeah. I'm like the Google Docs fan girl. Like yeah. I love that thing. Yeah. Okay, so that's the first thing. But what I was gonna say, oh my goodness me, whenever you bring someone onto your team, make sure that you have an onboarding process. Okay, so when someone comes in, before we confirm to them that yeah, you're part of Impact Schools team now, well, they have a trial period. And they have a trial task. And if they don't perform on that trial task, then it's not going to work. Now, what we do is we actually, we hire more than one person at once to do the trial task. Because then whoever does it best and whoever does it on time and whoever follows things exactly as we laid out with the deadlines and and such, Mm -hmm. they're the one that gets the job. And then we put them on a trial for like a month or so. And then only after they get through that, do we actually continue working with them. And it's a paid, paid kind of paid month of work. 
Yeah, of course, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Well, some people like some. We do have a couple interns on the team, right? They just want experience, yeah. but that yeah. that's different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got it. I mean, um, yeah, I've been doing all the you know all those things also. Uh, paying for a couple, you know, editors to find the right one, and like, it's it's just at the moment I'm feeling that maybe it's also because you're trying to find. I know that you haven't really cared about budget from the get go. I mean, we talked about it in our previous episode. You kind of like you went all out. You you really invested in in a good team. I think that's one of the problems of entrepreneurs that they're like trying to find the cheapest VA from the Philippines or something like that, right? And Um, and then they experience setbacks when, you know, the VA disappears or anything. Well, so. I was going to say, you know, we actually have SOPs on actually how to find good people from the Philippines, for example. My team isn't massive over, over there, but you can find amazing people. The thing is, it's all about the training and the accountability. If you have good training and if you have a good accountability for your team, then you're going to be fine when it comes to hiring. So at the beginning, I was very afraid to hire people and pay them more money. Um, but ultimately, it's about just having open conversations and negotiating, right? So when you bring someone on, I always just ask them, how much do you want? Like, how much do you want to get paid? And then let's just say they want like five grand a month. You'll be like, wow, I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot more than I was expecting right now with your area blah 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 and then you'd say like i was thinking 2k a month and then they'll just be like oh there's no way whatever they then you'll probably end up settling on three right if you haven't read um never split the difference that book that will kind of really illustrate this for you very very clearly awesome book um it's an absolute classic so yeah i mean what i would say on that is that you can find really good people on a budget and also you can have you can get good interns For sure, there's going to be high turnover. They won't stay with you for a long time, but you can get really good interns, especially in the world of like social media, video editing and things like that. Yeah. As long as you're going to give them a killer, killer recommendation. Got it. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, thank you for, for those tips. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what you guys are working on in the tech company. And, uh, um, and so going forward um, and talking about Clubhouse for a second. So how does... How does your clubhouse, uh, let's say, funnel look like? Because you, you're there, you're moderating. You got in there and you started kind of like moderating different uh, rooms, right, with amazing people. Um, how, how did that flow look like? Yeah, so I'm still shocked by Clubhouse. I mean, my following on Clubhouse grew to more than 60,000 people in under five weeks. I, I, can't, I still can't believe it. How? How did that happen? Okay, so here's my strategy, right? Here's my, here's my strategy for Clubhouse. Yeah. So when I was brand new and just starting out, I was terrified even to raise my hand. Yeah. But then I ended up doing it. And for some reason, I got pulled up onto this stage. And so when someone was asking a question, I was a speaker, I wasn't a moderator, but I just politely said, hey, could I share some value on this, mm -hmm. right? And then yeah. they were like, yeah, of course, go ahead. And so I shared some value and then immediately they moderated me. Okay, now if that doesn't work the first time around, something that you can do is find moderators who are speaking in rooms whereby it's full of people who could be your dream customers and just message those moderators saying like, hey, I had a really good point on this topic. Like, would you be able to bring up this topic of conversation? I'd love to yeah. hear you talk about it. Yeah. And if possible, I'd love to add some value. Something like that. Just make it so that you're leading with value. Mm -hmm. 
then from there, um, it really is a case of just making sure that you're only talking on the topics that you know about. Don't try and discuss topics that you have no idea. Like if people start right. talking about e-commerce with physical products, I just shut up, right? I have no idea. Whereas when it's on things like leadership and team building and, you know, building online courses and online coaching, then that's when I'll pipe up because those are my core areas. Now, the other thing is that it really is about, because it's a new platform and when you're brand new, people don't know who you are. So it's the, that whole concept of you need to have credibility before you get visibility. So how can you increase your credibility? Well, put real information that you have achieved in your bio. And then from there, I have a clear process to take people to. So what I've been doing, and this doesn't relate to growing the audience, right? But you asked about the funnel as well. What I do is I push people through into my Instagram DMs because you can link your Instagram on there. And so then when people come into the DMs, we've actually just built out this automated uh, sort of, uh, it's like a type form thing. It's this company that I invested in called Score App. And so basically I'll have a conversation with someone in the DMs. And then when we get an idea that they might be interested in working with us, then I'll send over a link and we've built the whole thing out. And the really cool thing is like these flows, we can now share it with our clients. So our clients are able to use it too. Um, so that's pretty cool. Cool. How, how, what's the name of the app? Score. Score App. Score App? Yeah, I'll send you a link um, cool. and then you can check it out. Cool. Awesome. No, it's really cool. And so basically you get people um, through. So you grow on Clubhouse by, again, giving value makes sense, right? I mean, um, and well, I mean, I, one of the struggles that I have is time. Like I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs have that as well. I mean, I have three kids, baby at home um, and uh, my three businesses. And I'm like where the heck can I find like I you know the time and I guess one thing is um yeah clubhouse you gotta identify it as a business opportunity and if you don't then fine go go and visit clubhouse whenever you want but if you take it seriously you should find time and guess right to be there on the platform um but how long do you spend there a day I was spending more time there a day I was spending like six hours a day maybe even more but ultimately now I, I'm kind of like, meh, I see the benefit because I've built an audience now. For me, starting my own rooms is a better use of my time. So now I don't really go on it until for me, it's like six in the evening. So that's when I'll start and then I'll go on until about 10. So yeah, I guess like four hours a day still, but I'm not actively on it, right? I'll just leave it on in the background. What I was doing before is I was having my phone just continuously in the room and then if i hear someone like i would put it on really quiet and if i someone mentioned something then i would just grab my phone and i would chime in on the topic that i can talk about but i've been really focused on deep work now and it was kind of exhausting me honestly i think the thing with clubhouse is that because it's growing so quickly and so many new users are coming on there sometimes it can get quite toxic and so I just want to make sure that I, I, I hate drama. Like I'm not interested in it. And so when people are talking about like drama and all this, I'm, I'm away from that, like no interest. And so I've been loving connecting with people and then, you know, chatting to them on WhatsApp and then getting on a call with other entrepreneurs. And so that's what I've been doing. And I've made amazing connections. There's one guy who literally lives next door to me here in Dubai in the building next door. And he's an investor. Um, and yeah, he was awesome. And so now we're talking about um, business acquisitions that we're going to do together. And so we're just formalizing all of that. And so that's really where I think the biggest opportunity is. 
to create connections to do JVs. But then at the same time, obviously there's a massive opportunity to generate leads. You just have to be prepared and have the infrastructure set up for it. So like we've been getting more clients than ever who are like even more sophisticated, not just our normal type of client that would come through. People who already have multiple seven or even eight figure businesses coming in because they want to learn our system of how we do the whole messaging process and then essentially our sales process because they have leads right normally people don't have leads these people have leads and so it's a different type of problem but for me it's exciting because that's the part that personally i like to get more involved with the rest of the stuff the other programs we have are kind of more like you know my my coo has that running yeah yeah got it and and so going back to maybe talking about that and your your messaging um process can you talk about that a bit like lay that out yeah absolutely so we call it the money making messaging method right just because like i know we started doing this a few years back and i guess i was (laughs) i was doing it without even realizing it sounds kind of spammy though but whatever um so here's the thing right when i started out as a fitness coach when i was 17 or 16 um i still don't remember exactly the age i was but i'm one of those two what i was doing is i was just dming people like they would comment on my post because i used to do this thing called tickner's tips right funny like whatever and uh it it would be where they would comment a hashtag tickner's tips on my instagram post with a question and then i would answer that on my uh snapchat story all the way back then so i would take a screenshot of the question i would circle it put it on my snapchat story answer it there and then I did that for so long. People that started commenting questions who I want, wasn't able to get to because I was getting so many, I would then DM them and then ask a bit of more of a clarifying question. So let's just say they would say like, hey, Lauren, is it okay to eat carbs? I would then DM them and I would say, so what's your goal with your fitness? And what I didn't even realize I was doing back then is I was qualifying them to see if they were a client. And then back then, I mean, what I was then doing is saying like, oh yeah, email me and I'll send you my prices, which was for goodness sake, I should have got them on a sales call, but I didn't know, like I had no idea what I was doing. And so naturally, cause I was emailing everything, like people just ghosted me, you know how it is. Yeah. And so anyway, that was a bit, you know, but since then I was able to really like look through that. And I, I literally looked through the messages of the people that I converted into clients and I identified the similarities. And I realized that it's a case of making sure that you reveal particular outcomes before moving on to the next part of the conversation. And so we could, it's permission-based relationship marketing, right? That's what we're all about. And so you only proceed to the next part if you essentially have someone's permission to by ticking off the box to confirm that you know that they'd be a good client for you. And simultaneously, you only want to be entertaining these conversations with people who you know you could actually help. And so if you can't help them, just point them in the right direction, send them to a video training, make a three-way chat with someone else that you know that could help them. And so the money-making messaging method is essentially the process, and there's five or six phases, depending on your niche and industry, to ultimately qualify someone as a good client for you. And then if they're a good fit, send them a link to book a call, and then get them on the phone and see if you can help them. And if you can, then they're a good client for you. Yeah, got it. And when you say DM, and I mean, like people... um people probably um I'm, I'm i'm also thinking about the the audience right now that's like thinking okay well how do i dm people i would just dm 
um, how do I get that? LinkedIn, and I- right? You can do it on LinkedIn. You can do it on Facebook, Instagram, any platform. Um, right now on LinkedIn, the problem is, is that what people do is it's so spammy. Oh right, gosh. right. I use this on LinkedIn and it's amazing because it just makes the conversation way, way, way less pressured, you know? Yeah. So how do you start the conversation though? How do you start the DMing? Like, like in well, a way varies. that's not spammy. It varies, right? So there's, there's multiple different ways. So if people are coming in from Clubhouse, they're obviously coming to you. But obviously, if you're using Clubhouse, even if you're not a speaker getting inbound leads, mm-hmm. you can scroll through the room and you can click on people's photos. And then you can go over to that right. Instagram or Twitter and just message them saying like, hey, I'm in the same room as you right now. Hope you're enjoying Clubhouse. And then if they have a photo of something on their profile, just reference that. The most important thing if you're doing outbound marketing, when it comes to your initial message, is first give them a compliment and second ask them a question people love being complimented they're like oh that person's nice and then the second thing asking a question leaves it open up to actually get a response so a nice open-ended question there so you find those people either through scrolling a room on clubhouse and finding people in the audience that could be good clients or through going into Facebook or LinkedIn groups. On LinkedIn, you can go into a group that has 20,000 members and you don't have to email to message them. If you're both in the same group, you can message them directly. You don't have to pay for that. Simultaneously, you could also go on hashtags on Instagram, whereby you, let's say you're a fitness coach, you go on hashtag Weight Watchers, and then you can find people there, reach out to them. And let's say you saw that if they were commenting a question on an influencer's post who's in your industry, right? Let's say they ask a question under the post of Weight Watchers. It doesn't have to be just an influencer. It could also be a brand. Right. Well, that they're not going to get back to the question, right? They have too many, too many people. So that's the beautiful thing about being a smaller size business or just a single entrepreneur because you actually have the ability to reach out directly to that person and help them. So you right. can message saying, hey, I saw your question under Weight Watchers post. I um, just wanted to let you know that this, this, and this might help. What's your goal with your fitness, as an example? And yeah. so that's many, many ways that you can start the conversation without being spammy. Because the worst thing that you, oh my gosh, when you send that massive chunk of text, like, hey, I am someone who helps people launch and scale online courses and build teams around that whole thing. In fact, I've just looked at your LinkedIn profile and it looks like we could really help you with this service and that service and this. No one cares, right? They just want to feel heard and supported. And so that's the way to do it with success. Yeah, no, awesome. I think it's great, um, great distinction there. And also, do you have, um, by the way, like any um, change, any difference that you see between like voice messages and text messages? So, I mean, it, it kind of varies. Like naturally, people will respond to voice better, given that they then see that it's actually really you there, because yeah. oftentimes they think it's a bot. Right. Um, but I think, you know, I mean, it's a big question. What, what, so what do you mean specifically? Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm Instagram, I'm DMing people. I'm like, I'm trying to send them uh, voice messages, but what, like to make it sound personal. On the other hand, one, it's not scalable if you want to hire a team to do that. Two, um, like some people actually don't really listen to voice messages or they don't, you know, they, they when, you see, when you see a text message, your, your brain processes it right away, the information. You're like, okay, now I can know what to do with it. But when you see just like the, you know, someone sent you a, a, an audio message and you don't know that guy, then you might not even, you know, you might be like, oh, okay, I'll, you know, I'll hear it later. You might pre- 
procrastinate. Yeah, I would never do an outreach message with a voice message. Absolutely never. Yeah. No way. Um, if you're already in flow, in conversation, they're replying quickly, then you could. Um, I personally don't, I, I hate to receive voice notes. And so I don't really send voice notes because I know that if I send one, then they normally send one back. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my process there because like, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it also depends who you're talking to. Like if your type of ideal client is a super busy entrepreneur, they're going to hate the voice note. Whereas like if your type of ideal client is someone here in Dubai, that's all they bloody well do, right? They voice note it's so annoying but <laughs> so it depends. It, this is why right, knowing yeah. your ideal client better than anyone else is so important yeah, right 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 because, um, knowing your persona yeah <laughs> definitely all right so i mean um let's i know we don't have a lot of time left but uh just to kind of like wrap this up for anybody who doesn't know clubhouse uh kind of like people that are new to the platform how can we help how can we help them grow on this platform so uh one, you talked about getting into rooms that are with your target audience and giving value, raising your hand, asking the questions, and also uh, DMing other mods in the room to later be a speaker and also giving value on the topics. So yeah. my guess is one, courage, right? Just have the courage to step up and, you know, and reach out to people. Um, yeah. And then once you've started getting a bit of traction on Clubhouse, what's really going to allow you to be successful is finding other people who you can group together with and have like a WhatsApp chat with. And then you always do the same room, same time every day and you support mm. each other. And then you can always swap who starts the room because whoever starts the room is the one who kind of tends to get the credit. And then if you want to do different rooms throughout the day, then of course you can, but those people are going to be the people who are going to be supporting you and you have to stick together like a wolf pack. That's very important when it comes to success on Clubhouse, because if you're trying to start rooms by yourself, you're not going to get anywhere. And the yeah. same thing goes is like if you're in rooms and you're trying to get into a new audience, if you have people that you know are really good at one topic, if a question comes out about online coaching, then one of my friends who knows who I am, they're going to be like, oh, Lauren's the expert on this topic. She can answer it. And then so immediately anyone who wants to grow online coaching they're then going to start DMing me as well and following me and following me on the clubhouse and Instagram and every other platform. Right. I mean, so how does one can going back to like, because I had the thoughts of starting my own room there. If like I was playing with the idea, but I'm like, there's so many great people there already. There's so many, like, I know that it's exactly a starting podcast or YouTube channel or anything like that. Just say, you know, I go live at this time once a week and let's see if it grows. But how can it grow if you do that? That won't grow. That, won't grow. That, that won't grow. No, like there's no way that will grow because for sure, it, I mean, it can, but like you would have to invite influential people on. You would have right. to make sure like people that have a big audience on there, you need to get them there because like, because what happens is when someone joins a room, it then that will then show to other people, right? So if I join your room, now that shows up to all my followers. Whenever I join a room, hundreds of people join. Right. Right. Because they have yeah. notifications on. Right. And so it's funny, like yesterday I didn't go on until super late. And I joined this random room. There was like 300 people there. In a second, there was 750. Wow. Right. Like it was crazy. And yeah. so that's because they just immediately like clicked on the notification or whatever. And so, I mean, it's just important that like if you're doing, to be honest, like until you get like, I would say, 20,000 followers, I wouldn't even 
think about starting your own room. Right. Unless right. you have really good, many big guests who will all come in. Look, I've done, I've done also rooms as well. It's the headline of your room too. I did a room yesterday. Um, it was a shorter one and it was like how women can dominate in business in 2021. My friend was supposed to be doing it with me, but she bailed. <laughs> Luckily, I had some other people who committed to coming on <laughs> as speakers. And uh, we only had like 300 people there the whole time. Mm-hmm. People joined at the beginning and these people had big audiences. No one joined really after that because mm. the headline wasn't very good. So that's yeah. also important, right? Yeah. It's very key. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it makes sense, right? You better go and be in mod in some room, develop, like grow your audience and then see if, you know, if you know the platform well enough and you have enough audience that you can start your own room now and, um, and use those connections to grow your own room, bringing people, influential people in. Uh, make, definitely makes sense. And it depends on your goal, right? Because like, for me, like I, I, I love having the big rooms where there's like 2000 people in there because what I do is very appealing to a lot of people. But then at the same time, sometimes I'll go in smaller rooms and you are able to talk to people for longer, build a deeper connection as well. Because yeah. in the big rooms, like it's often people fighting to just speak as quickly as possible so that they get the mic. Like I'm, I'm well over that now, like whatever, it, it, it doesn't bother me now. But at the beginning, I was like, I need to speak. Da, da, da. Like I was <laughs> rushing to always try and speak as much as I could. Um, but I think just being chilled with it as well, like it really comes across. And so the other thing is, yeah, if you're in smaller rooms, you're probably going to be able to build deeper connections and you'll probably also get to know other moderators as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's also really what I did at the beginning. And then... Um, Are there any small that, rooms though? I mean, I, I, I mean, I haven't seen any small rooms on, on uh, Clubhouse. Maybe I'm just not, you know, exposed. You need to, to follow more people then, yeah. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But I follow new people or like, how do you, how do you get to small rooms? There's always small rooms. Like there's always rooms that have like 200 people in it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, in, anyways, I've I probably just been exposed to the ones, you know, on, on my list, which are just like huge, you know, with Ashley and everyone. And, um, <laughs> that's still quite small that room it's like oh, 300 people with ashley yeah no we're talking about like rooms with like 2,000 people in it um oh. like breakfast with winners and stuff there's 2,000 in there um let me see well no right now 500 530 30, uh, 36 speakers or mods and yeah, um, another one, 658, another one, 400. The, the ones that I notice in my space of UI UX, and by the way, that's a great, like it, I just got on a stage the other day about talking about UI UX and, you know, because I have my successes in that realm, like I got a lot of leads for my agency. That was great. And without doing almost anything. Um, right. So that's, yeah, I, I definitely see how this can be a great platform. And those, those rules are, are smaller. Um, the ones about startups, the ones about, um, success motivation and uh, and building a business on online business are, are bigger the, the, um, but yeah I mean I will definitely go in there and uh, and, and try to be more like I, I already got to be mod with um, um, not a mod but they raised me up as a speaker and they're talking to me about being a mod and Ashley's breakfast with winners room uh, you know with Andrew and everyone 
um, I got on some. Yeah, I'll just introduce you to him. Like uh, I te- text him like all the time. But I was gonna say, you know, it, it, you really need to know your strategy, right? Because you need to know why you're going on to Clubhouse. If you're trying to build a big following, then yeah, battle your way to become a speaker in big rooms. If you're trying to build connections with people, then you need to go into smaller rooms and make relationships with mods and if you're trying to get clients at the same time it's probably better to go into rooms where there's fewer speakers so you can spend more time talking and people can hear your value and then from there you know just know your strategy what is your end goal right Right. what is your end goal that's the most important to remember yeah thank you that that's that's great it makes perfect sense and i guess the first two that you said connections and uh, building the audience is the ones that i'm trying to do for commit first at the moment because i don't have a coaching program yet I don't like, I didn't launch the mastermind again. I'm just living it just to grow the audience and grow my following there and grow my influence, I guess. Um, And then on the the flip side in my UI UX agency, I go into small rooms, talk about startups and get clients. So I guess Mm -hmm. just kind of the way it is. Yeah. Um, I think that's perfect because yeah, like that's amazing. Now just build your team around the agency and then you're, you're off to the races. Yeah, but um, yeah, Lauren, thank you so much. I know you have a hard stop. Um, it was amazing talking to you. Thank you so much for bringing value, sharing openly about you know your strategies and um, and congrats on all your successes. Just amazing to to see it, you know, and and be connected. And, like see you on Clubhouse, see you on Instagram, kind of just like now get you on podcast. Um, love it. Thank you so much. Love it. No, awesome. Thanks for having me. And yeah, we'll we'll get on some clubhouse trips together. We'll grow your awesome. audience. Then. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, Lauren. Talk to you later and have an Thank amazing you. day.